welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined today by Stuber Gear, Jason Buttrell, and Andrew Heaton. Thanks for being here, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, Stu, what is the tough story for you? I have a very sneaky suspicion that there are cameras on me right now. That's it? Mm-hmm. That's my lead story. Sound paranoid, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's only Smoke paranoid. Man bunch. It's only paranoid if it's not true, Andrew. <laughs> All right, Jason. Been a lot of debate on whether it's a national emergency as far as the immigration situation and uh, the migrants coming up. Um, but what do the border towns actually think? And according to a mayor, well, he's got a pretty strong opinion on it. We'll go through it. Hmm. All right. And Andrew. If you're an American, should you be able to travel wherever you want legally, even if it's a bad idea? Ooh, I like that. All right, a lot to get into, but first we want to thank our sponsor, Rizone. Uh So summer is coming up. Do any of you have any beach vacations planned? I don't like beaches. They're just a desert with a hole at the end. Oh. <laughs> really, I, don't li- I know I'm in the minority, but okay. like, that's what pool? they are. You like a pool? Yeah, they're fine. You don't seem like a beach guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I ha- I've seen... I am friends with uh, your wife. Yes. I've seen you have a gorgeous pool in your backyard. I'm sure you guys are going to spend a lot of time out there. Yes, uh, yes. Have you considered the fact that there may be some of us who are holding on to some winter weight? Are you here. talking to me specifically? <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening with this. This is an intervention. This isn't even a real show. <laughs> this is nice little to talk to you about your rapid weight <laughs> None of these cameras are even on. No, um, no, seriously, though. Is this one of those things that, like, my wife Instagram messaged you to, like, bring this up during this commercial? Is that kind of what happened there? I mean, I was paid not to say anything, okay. but... <laughs> but it was my money you got paid with. <laughs> uh, no, but in all seriousness, uh, summer is around the corner, and I know a lot of you out there may be struggling with losing, like, the 10 the last 10 pounds, they're the hardest to lose. 30 or 40. Or maybe 50. Maybe 50. <laughs> those last 50 are tough to lose sometimes. Uh, so if you just feel like it's an uphill battle, you're never going to get there, uh, try Riduzone. It works for me to maintain. It can work for you as well. It's the good molecule in olive oil that boosts your metabolism and helps reduce your appetite. So we've got a three-month supply Right now, you can use promo code THEBLAZE at RIDIAZONE.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. Get 30% off of that three-month supply. That'll get you right into summer, and it'll help you lose the extra weight so you can look amazing on the beach, RIDIAZONE.com. Stu, you said there are, I mean, obviously there are cameras all around you watching you because we're on a it's true television <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no, but it's not just here, and I think that's the important thing. Um, the... Era of privacy is dead, I would say. I mean, we all talk about this about being online, and there's been this long conversation about whether having cameras in, in uh, you know, especially the government having cameras and access to this all the time. We see this in other countries where they're just flooded with cameras uh, that the government runs, and uh, no one has any privacy. And what does that mean? Because there is, certainly makes it a heck of a lot easier to solve crimes. Uh, there are certainly a lot of positive uses that come out of having cameras everywhere, but that's not really the way our you know, society was built. Um, and the New York Times has been doing something really interesting. The latest version of this is uh, they actually built, they bought commercially available software, facial recognition software from Amazon, $60 they spent, and used uh, publicly available cameras and applied it to these cameras and were able to identify people just walking through Bryant Park in New York City. They set up their own facial recognition operation to see how easy it would be to work as a part of kind of investigating privacy. And, for example, they found one guy who is a professor walking through Bryant Park. Um, Do we have the photos? I don't know if we have the photos, actually, as we run through those. We might not have them. But it's a picture picture of the side of his face on a grainy camera. 
And with this Amazon $60 software, they were able to, with publicly available photos, identify who it was. And essentially, of course, where he was and what his schedule was. The guy was, uh, his name, uh, first of all, he's got an awesome name, Dr. Madonna. Mm. Which, I mean, <laughs> that is an awesome name. I, I don't know. I just, that's half the reason I want to do the story, because I want to talk about Dr. Madonna. But Dr. Madonna said, uh, my first reaction was, oh, my God, that's unbelievable. I was shocked at how re- uh, readily it seems that it picked me up, because really, it's just the side of my head. Now, what's interesting was he was going, um, uh, he, was going uh, he was doing something that was not illicit, Mm-hmm. But you might not want people to know about it. Here he talk, they talk about it here. Uh, Time says, our experiment shows that the person equipped with just a few cameras and facial recognition technology can learn people's ba- 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 daily habits. When they arrive at the office each day, who they get coffee with, whether they left work early. When we a- identified Dr. Madonna, he was on his way to lunch with a job candidate. An example of how uh, midday outings, even of law-abiding citizens, can sometimes be sensitive information. So this guy's out, you know, interviewing for a job, has no idea this is going on. Obviously, he is, they did get his clearance. They didn't just, like, you know, run this article without talking to him because it's supposed to be an experiment. Um, but it opens up this idea of, you know, we've fought for a long time about government having access to cameras. But is it different if private institutions have cameras everywhere and the government can just access them? <laughs> like, I, I don't know that there's much of a difference there. Well, I even feel a little creeped out by the private sector doing it. Yeah, like, it, right. like I'm, I'm kind of, this is a weird situation because I don't feel like it's a clear-cut constitutional yeah. imperative or even an, like an individual rights imperative. Like, like it used to be that, that your privacy was like you can't go through someone's letters, mm-hmm. right? But now, like, if you walk outside and then everything about you is completely public, that's creepy. Did and, they get Dr. Madonna's consent to actually do the uh, um, test or no. just to get no. his consent? They, afterwards, they actually, they didn't know who he was. They actually identified him with facial recognition, called him up and said, hey, Dr. Madonna! <laughs> so that, so that, that's... That's crazy to me because any other experiment that anybody would, would do when it's involved with on human beings, consent. you have to get their consent. Yes. Now they're doing experiments to basically for machines to learn based off of our behavior without asking for our consent to do that. Yeah. And of which, course, which, which they can do because it's, you know, it's public again. These, so these these cameras were put up um, uh, publicly for Bryant Park. They're not even security cameras. They are just, hey, do you want to know if that ice rink is open? Like, that's the reason they were put up. So now it's just filming every, and we used to walk through that park every single day. It was right across the street from our studios in New York. Um, and you, you would now, are, every single person who walks through there is available. And it's not just the Times doing this, right? Like, anybody can afford a 60, to, you know, any criminal, any, any, you know, creepy ex-husband, anybody can do this and spy on people as they're going through this. And it's one thing to sit there and watch a New York park for thousands and thousands of people trying to pick one out. It's another thing if you can scan it against available public photographs and get an alert every time someone enters that park. Mm. I mean, it is a level of creepiness that I think is overwhelming. And to give you an example of how much, uh, how crazy this has gone, uh, let me show you a graphic. This is from the Times story. If you see one camera, um, there's a little green dot, one camera uh, in 2005. That's how many cameras they had. It's a little hard to see in the background, but all the green dots are more cameras now in New York. Oh, I mean, it's gone from one to, I don't know, 5,000 or something. Just, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds at the very least. Um, all over New York City, basically everywhere you go. And that's, you know, it's Manhattan, but this stuff is coming everywhere. It's yeah. part of a series that uh, the Times is doing on privacy. And it's actually been, you know, really interesting because you realize that this era of expectation of privacy is really, that's gone. It really is gone. Um, and I don't think there's anybody, I don't think the public, you know, 
a private company putting a camera out in front of their store and facing public, uh, you know, the public square is not a crime. There's nothing, there's nothing criminal about that. Amazon making software, uh, not a crime. Like there's nothing here that's criminal, but we have to realize the world we live in. And you know, there's a there's a line in the story of, of one uh, analyst saying that like if we do not, he said his take was. The only way we stop this from being completely out of control and really affecting our society negatively if, is if we ban facial recognition technology. Now, that's a huge wow. step, and I don't think you can do that. Yeah, that um, doesn't sound like also, an easy thing to do. how often do bans actually work? Yeah. But, I mean, that's a sort of, uh, that's, that's a big difference in our society. And it's yet again another one of these things, and since I'm sitting in, you know, where Glenn usually sits, I can talk about these things. You know, it, like, like AI, uh, like, you know, even our cell phones, we never had a conversation about these massive changes in our society. I, I feel like a lot of times when these things happen, they're long and slogged out debates and, and you kind of everyone understands the scope of it. These things like we just handed six hours a day over to our phones in like 2007 without really a, a real decision. You know, we just are deciding since 2005. Now, every one of our movements is going to be on camera. We're doing it because yeah, we're handing our privacy over because of the convenience. You know, it's yeah. like no one, oh, yeah. no one cares about Google surveillance or Facebook we, surveillance. We, we, we and, we talk and, about Alexa. At the end of the day, yeah. you don't yeah. care. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we're, we're, Stu and I are like, it's just too convenient. It's just nice. I don't I don't like, you know, I don't like having to press a button. I like just saying it. But think about yeah. how convenient <laughs> facial recognition will be. It'll be like a minority report. Like when Tom Cruise is walking in there and they're like, last time you were here, you bought this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it'll just flash up there with probably like a little model of you wearing some clothes. We'll love that. We'll eat yeah. that up. Oddly, we'll, yeah, that'll maybe, be a good use Maybe of it. it'll be good. Maybe like, I'm like because I think you're right. I think the era of privacy is basically over. And if you do a thought experiment, so I, I was born in 84. So like I, I am pre-Facebook and I'm pre, I got through high school without social media and I had a phone but I kept it in my locker, right? So I remember what it's like being off the grid mm-hmm. and being like when you walk down the street, that's it. There's nothing, right? And I, I, I haven't had that feeling now in like 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I do wonder if perhaps, though, we will respond with the death of privacy with maybe not caring as much about people's deviant behavior. Yeah. So, like, let's say you just really enjoy lederhosen a lot. You'd wear lederhosen all the time, mm-hmm. right? Like right now, maybe you'd be embarrassed about that. Maybe in the future, though, when that comes out, there's, people won't care. There's going to be some serious discussions yeah, later. Specific. <laughs> like, they'll be able to catch criminals a whole lot quicker. Like that's just they're going to be able to do that. Like they already caught busted Jesse Smollett because of basically something similar. They didn't have facial recognition, but because of all the cameras, they were yeah. able to catch him. Um, but think about how bad it's going to be when they start doing predictive software off of facial recognition. So that's Sarah Gonzalez. We can tell by you know the way she's crinkling her nose right now that she does not like what I'm saying, and she's yeah. about to hit me. So what? Then what's yeah. the what's the moral thing to do? Exactly. What's the moral thing that? Or what, what are we? What should we do to stop that behavior? Because. Our law enforcement, will they be compelled to act on that before it even happens? I mean, these are the things that are going to start happening. That sounds science fiction, but that is going to happen. I mean, to take a quick step back as I'm just having this realization, the person who pushed back on privacy was the libertarian. Again, (laughs) Andrew Heaton, bucking libertarian doctrine. Um, uh, I just, I can't, I just can't take it. I'm a wild card. That's why they call me the wild card. I mean, it's it. I mean, like they did this with predictive policing, which has been successful in helping lower crime rates in certain cities where they have used analytics to see when crimes happen in certain areas. And they just wind up going, showing up there and parking police cars all over those areas. And it's like, overall, I think that's probably smart, right? Like it's a good use of information and it makes a lot of sense and it's lowering crime rates. Great. You know, some people complain about that and they say, hey, uh, you're just parking police cars all over our area and we didn't do anything wrong yet. 
that's not cool. And these things are, uh, like, again, they are very nuanced debates, debates we are absolutely not able to have in our society right now, but we haven't even attempted to have them. What about uh, red light cameras? What's, oh, your, what's your take on those? Uh, they should all be murdered. Right? Uh, yes. No, uh, uh, yeah. Well, and, well, and, and they're, they're using it like, a, like you, you brought up Jesse Smollett. Another example is that they've had situations where the police, um, I think it was... I think it was a Black Lives Matter protest. It was some protest. I don't remember which protest. Uh, but they, they used facial recognition software to see if anybody at the protest had, uh, w- had a, a delinquent warrant out, or what do you call it, a bench warrant out for their yeah. arrest, and that kind of thing, yeah. uh, which is kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, I, I actually uh, pulled up some research and was able to uh, scan a Communist Party uh, parade uh, to see if I knew anybody. <laughs> and I was oh able to God. find a stew in there, and like, you know, that's oh, wow. really disturbing. And that, that is, it, it, yeah, it, it, I, it, I was young and I needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, rear ender right there. So. I, the, 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 the other photo I found, I, I looked to see if I could find Sarah, uh, and uh, Sarah Gonzalez says, you know, she likes to go to Canada for vacation, and I found this <laughs> photo of her clubbing a seal. Wow. Oh, Sarah's killing a oh seal gosh. with a baseball bat. It's just terrible. Why, why would you do that? I mean, I guess it's good cardio. Although Jason, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find anything on Jason. That's just Jason Murray. Although, actually, can we can we zoom in on Jason's paper there? How I fake being a veteran to go seal clubbing by Jason Patel. Oh man! Wow, All right. that so fast. I know. Wow. Back in a minute. Nice having a career. Don't call me Tita. <laughs> All right, Jason, uh, you said a mayor has some uh, strong opinions about the border crisis. Yeah, so um, Yuma, Arizona uh, is one of those like, it's one of those spots right along the Mexico-US border that's like, it's got a whole lot of desolate areas. Um, we've seen some uh, other politicians going to uh, other you know, border areas like Beto, uh, O'Rourke was that one saying, hey, you know, everything's just fine. I, will, I'll, I would tear down some of these walls. There's no, absolutely no problem here. Look, no one's crossing the border as we're doing this entire interview. Um, <laughs> well, uh, the mayor of uh, Yuma was saying that just a couple of days ago, we had over 350 uh, people were apprehended in one day. Um, over, t- over 2017, uh, 97% of the people that are involved in the catch and release program uh, that came over illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, 97% have all been just pretty much left. Uh, they're still in the United States. Mm-hmm. A lot of them to those border towns. And we usually don't hear from uh, a lot of people in the border towns. Like people like in El, pa- like in El Paso is so heavily dom- uh, dominated by uh, like a liberal, you know, messaging and, and politicians that a lot of times you just do not hear. Like they don't even really talk about but it. That's what surprises me about places like El Paso. Because you would think that those citizens would be dying to get the message out, you know, how devastated they've been by illegal immigration. Yeah, it's, or, int- it's or interesting. they like good Mexican food. I don't know. It's possible <laughs> they like it too. Um, but but in, in Yuma, Arizona, it's getting critical. Uh, the mayor was saying that, yeah, we have people that are just kind of like wandering around the streets um, trying to, you know, you know, basically beg people really for to, to provide certain services for them like I don't know like uh, pay for like a medical uh, you know doctor visits and stuff like that um, it's gotten so bad that he has actually issued a state of emergency so he's saying that it's gotten to the point to where we are in this the city of U Arizona is in an official state of emergency because of this and I, like you said, it's amazing to me that we haven't heard more stories like this. Yeah. But it's absolutely insane that w- we have a clear 
emergency situation that I, I wholeheartedly believe. It, it's, it's at that level. The tactics that are being used now, this is not going to stop. It's just getting worse. Um, I was just following the last week. There's another 4,000-person caravan that crossed over, and it's on its way down. Like, they're all doing this now. It's, no, it's now dangerous to like, pay a, a trafficker uh, or getting with some of the criminal elements. The cartels run many of those. And half the time, the, the people that are coming over are getting taken advantage of. You know, they're either getting killed or sexually you know, assaulted. It's, it's awful. Um, so they're just not dealing with that. They're just jumping on these caravans. That's a new hip thing to do. And there's many people, as Glenn has pointed out on his show, that, that are enabling them and helping them do that. So this is not going to stop. So I, I hate the fact that we, we have so many different politicians now, whether both on the right and the left, that they keep saying, yeah, we got to... They're, they're basically criticizing what's going on and using it as kind of like a political fire, you know, fire you know, issue. But they're not really even really talking about actual steps to, to solve it. Um, I do believe in the wall because I think that this will continue to, to happen. And as long as we have a catch and release program, which it's even kind of hard to replace something like that. But that's based off of like, hey, there's five or ten uh, you know, migrants that came over. What do we do about it? Now it's like a there's several hundred like in Yuma, Arizona the other day. Three hundred and fifty six, I believe it was. What do you do with all of them? You, there's no you can't, can't put them in a facility. Mm-hmm. And I've actually heard people saying, well, we need to build more uh, facilities and house them until we figure it out. The actual asylum claim takes, I think it's like over two years or something like that. You keep them there the entire time? No, you're going you're gonna to release them. That's, that's what they're going to do. Um, we're completely overwhelmed. No one's talking about how to actually solve this problem. And I, you hear a lot of people, and I hate to sound like you know, someone on the left here, but we do need a immigration reform. Yeah. We absolutely do. That's not, that's not even a leftist. I mean, George no. W. Bush wanted immigration reform, right? Like, I think, I think that basically the thinking people in both parties acknowledge that. Yeah, but it's, like, it's become so separated and, and, tri- and, and tribalized out now. It's either you're on team wall or you're on team immigration reform. You and that's so on, ridiculous to well, me. Well, but I feel <clears> like it's more like team wall and team open borders, but with Team Wall can also come Team Wall and also immigration reform. Yeah, I mean, along with certainly the that. wall is immigration reform. Yeah, or you can you can be for some wall and uh, like I'm not. I think it's ridiculous to build a wall across the entire thing. But like if yeah, I if right. I lived in El Paso, like and I I, I would want a wall between me and Laredo. Um, something I, I am curious about is. Um, uh, I, I don't know this mayor, and, and I don't know the situation there. It might, it might be very bad, but by virtue of being a politician, uh, my immediate thought is that it could be political posturing. Are, are there numbers that he's provided in terms of the amount of uh, immigrants there, or is this just a political statement he's doing to, to you know, get, get a siren call? So he, he was throwing out some numbers. Like he, he, was, t- he was talking about, like I said, he, he threw out that 300 and something uh, people the other day, but he, and he, he was throwing out some numbers. I mean, and the, we know the numbers are very high yes. right now. I mean, just over the border overall, they're extraordinarily high um, you know and I think really like a part of the thing we talk about immigration reform talk about the wall and like you know the wall can make a difference again it's a small percentage of the people who would who would who would be uh, in a situation where you know whether here illegally uh, would be affected by the wall even when it's built I mean yeah. it's not it, it will help in certain areas for sure um, but uh, it was really I think asylum reform and 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 yeah. refugee resettlement reform is really important right now look this is the, I think it's vital. We have a giant freaking charity in this building that uh, that that is re- uh, resettled refugees from places like Syria um, and in Iraq. Um, you know, the Nazarene Fund has done great work with that. We, we take asylum seriously, but it is absolutely getting abused right now. Mm-hmm. They they are sending people, and and you know, the, the Tim Ballard was on today, and he's one of the guys who runs the you know the Nazarene Fund. Uh, the new thing that they're doing now, we've now incentivized with this policy mm-hmm. that the people are bringing kids up to the border and dropping them over the walls, dropping them over the walls, 
of course, then the border people come over and they pick them up like they should. They bring them to the facility. Do you have any relatives here? Yeah, my Uncle Bob. Here's the number. Uncle Bob comes. He's not his Uncle Bob. They found in the last year, only in the last year, 1,700 different kids have said uh, uh, someone has come to pick up a kid, and they said, no, that's not actually my relative. 1,700 in one year. I mean, and you think about that's an incredibly high number. Think about how the kids, how many kids crossed in those situations, how many times they were too terrified to tell their, uh, you know, to tell the person coming to pick them up that they weren't actually the relative. I mean, asylum is something that should absolutely not be abused. And for some reason, the, uh, I don't know, the, the part of the argument that's supposed to have this you know, this, the nice side of the argument is saying, well, you should just honor all these as if they're legitimate. Mm-hmm. I want to honor the ones that are legitimate. I do. I mean, with the mass, uh, the major countries these people come from when we're talking about refugee resettlement and asylum are places like China and Iran. It's not it, most of the, co- the things they're talking about in Central America are not even covered by asylum or refugee resettlement. It may be that these people are being told to do this because they're told that they that it's all right. But we're getting our system's getting overwhelmed. We have no way of handling this. And the Democrats answer is to be, well, don't be mean to these people who are saying that they're they're, you know, victims of these crimes. I'm going to give my answers. Yes. This is this is me coming from the libertarian side. of things. Yes. OK, here we go. Uh, one actually one's not libertarian. Uh, you, you mentioned there's about a two year uh, wait to process. I think something that Glenn's called for and that Bernie Sanders called for, and I, n- I normally do not link the two of them, <laughs> no. uh, is having more judges, more judges that, that adjudicate yes. uh, asylum, yeah. which makes like the perfect logical sense to and, me to do that. Republicans did attempt to pass something with that, and, do, and the Democrats did block it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, like, like I said, George W. Bush tried to get a, a guest worker program going. Like, and, and if you go back to Reagan and, and George H.W. Bush, they were arguing about who was more pro-immigrant. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it, it is more, um, uh, more across the board than we're, we, we often portray it. The other two things I would do is, one, get rid of American uh, agricultural subsidies. I think they're terrible. We've talked yes. about the Farm Bill, which I think is a horrible thing. One of the, one of the, Don't get me started. Okay, Jason, yep. so we're, all, we're all on team, team burn the Farm Bill. But one of the, one of the things you do is by, by eliminating a, a rigged, weird government Soviet-style system that we have in America, you allow their agriculture to be competitive because the one thing that these countries have in Latin America is very cheap labor. Mm-hmm. And if they can compete with us, then they're not going to necessarily need to leave. And then the other thing I would do is figure out a way to pretty much end the war on drugs because that's that jacks up the prices of the drugs. That gives more incentive to all the drug dealers that are killing these people in Latin America. So let's take the money out of them. It's absolutely insane that you have to go to, uh, you can't go to a consulate in, you know, Nicaragua, a U.S. consulate, and say, hey, I'm, I'm declaring asylum because I'm, you know, I'm going to get killed otherwise. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to leave the country and then claim asylum. You're setting up yeah. these caravan situations to happen. You're, you're inviting them to, act, to mass travel towards the border. Change that system just to start. That's just to start. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. Uh, I have a new video up on my new YouTube channel, Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered. If you have not yet subscribed, you can go there. I just, I couldn't handle the amount of applause that Bernie Sanders received at his uh, town hall whenever they asked if all of these people would be willing to have Medicare for all. Well, I know. And I got the sense that weren't they kind of Bernie supporters? Oh, yeah. they, like, what, why was that Bethlehem surprising? With nothing yes. but Democrats. And then... I, heard, I heard one report that it was supposed to be a mix okay. of Demo- uh, Democrats and Republicans. But either way, it's a stupid idea. And uh, I had some things to say about it. And now I'm already working on part two because the commenters, uh, some of them were like, Well, that's not true. People are not dying on waiting lists in the UK. 
And I was like, oh really, they're not. Okay, let me give you some statistics. Now are you gonna post your puppy and baby seal video? Uh, no, I, the edit, cut that out. Edit. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, Andrew, you posed an interesting question as your top story. Should the United States actually be able to tell you yeah. whether or not you can travel to places? So, like, let's say uh, Chechnya. If you, I, I don't know what the current policy is in Chechnya. I would not go to Chechnya. I would be terrified. <laughs> I would stand out in Chechnya. People would know that I'm not from there. They, they might like me. They may not. I don't know. Uh, but what we did, like a, a good example of this is Cuba. Uh, Cuba, it, it's gone back and forth. During the Obama administration, it, it, re- uh, it retracted a lot of the, uh, the restrictions that were on Americans, uh, and that is now going back. Um, so John Bolton, who is the most militant mustache within the Trump administration, uh, announced from Coral Gables, I think, yesterday or today, that the, uh, the Trump administration is going to roll back a lot of what he views as b- bad Obama policies. So what, what they're going to do is um, you can still travel to Cuba for family visits. So if you're a Cuban and you have Cuban family, you can still do that. Uh, however, the rest of us, me, for example, uh, I cannot travel to Cuba now. Now, the, the rationale behind this is that you don't want to give uh, aid, comfort, or specifically monetary contributions to an evil totalitarian uh, communist regime, which it is. And uh, like hasten the day when the evil Castro regime finally implodes and Cuba gets to have Starbucks. I'm looking forward to that. I hope it does happen. Um, and I'll add that the other thing is this is sort of a, um, there's a geopolitical element at work with, with this uh, administration decision because they want to sort of strong arm Cuba for supporting Maduro, mm-hmm. uh, which is also just a lovely, lovely regime down in, uh, in mm-hmm. South America. Uh, that's the idea behind it, is we don't want Americans to inadvertently enable the Cuban government. And my response to that is, we've been trying this for 40 years, 50 years, and it hasn't worked. They're, they're going strong, and in fact, they're able to maintain a lot of their grip on power because they can use us as boogeymen. Now, I will posit, first, that as a free citizen of a free country, I will travel wherever the hell I want. Yep. It might be a bad idea, but I can do it. It is you, not... as an American citizen, have the right to make stupid decisions. Absolutely. A hundred percent, and I do all the time. <laughs> and uh, and I, I should have that right. I think that's the, the, the beginning and the end of it. But if you're, if you're worried about Cuba... I think if, if you want to help Cuba, if you want them to transition to a more free society, the way to do it is not to take away your freedom uh, as an American citizen. The way to do it is to enhance that freedom. The way to do it is for me to go to Cuba and, and get drunk and seduce people and make friends and tell them about how wonderful our country is and get to know each other, remove some of that boogeyman element, and show them how wonderful freedom actually is. So I, I think this is a terrible misstep, and I, I wish that the Trump administration, and we'll probably be dealing with this for another 15 years, but whoever's in power, I wish they would believe in the freedom of the American people to solve these problems, because I think it would. Has anyone ever believed in that? Uh, they anyone do when, in power? They do when they're not in power. Yeah. Yeah. Free, Any, anyone in freedom's power? Freedom's very appealing to people when they're not in power, yeah. yeah. Jason? Yeah. I absolutely agree. Uh, that's not their lane to tell me what, where I can and cannot travel to. That's insane. And I don't buy the fact that if I take a carnival cruise to Havana, you know, that I'm giving one more year to the Cuban military or, or whatever. You know, that's just, that's just stupid. Um, but I, I definitely, it's, I, I also agree with your, with your point that it, it's kind of a fallacy to think that if you cut people off, um, that you're somehow going to bend them to your will. 
So if you fully sanction a country, um, if they're resolved, they're going to develop, you know, a, a hardiness, a st- more, even more steadfastness, um, a resolve towards fighting whoever is oppressing them. It's the same with uh, with it's the same in military w- with an occupation force. The harder you push, the harder you clamp down, the more it slips. It starts to slip through your finger because they overcome, they adapt, they change their ways, and they can eventually beat you. L- look at Vietnam. You look at Afghanistan. Um, in the '70s and today, um, that, that's just the way it works. But it's the same with, like I said, with you know, doing hardcore sanctions and, and oppression on countries. North Korea, there's no reason it should be a, a still standing today. It, it shouldn't. But be, they got their boogeyman and they went full on hardcore resolve against the United States, and they were able to survive. Cuba, I mean, absolutely insane. Like it, it's it's fascinating to me if you look at the art, the music. I'm getting kind of nerdy on here. Um, getting but, like their cars. Um, they've com- they've developed completely separate from the rest of the world. Like if you go to Cuba, you'll see they're still driving around 1950s cars that they've souped up and restored, and it's actually pretty cool. Um, but I saw another study how their art and their music and everything developed in a completely different way. They've got their own culture. They've completely changed it. Um, it sucks the surrounding. You know what what they're living under. Um, you know the Castro regime, but they been able to fight us in spite of everything we're doing. Now, you have to show them somehow what they're missing, mm. not completely shut them off and say, well, yeah, you're missing something. You can't. So we're not going to let you see it, but you're definitely missing something. That does nothing. You have to open it up to a fact to where you can show them what they're missing, let them experiencing a little bit. Then they have something to rise up uh, t- uh, you know, against their own government and say, look, this is what we want. Yeah. This is over here. Uh, I mean, I... I, I I agree, I think. I, I mean, I, I would uh, say certainly an American citizen should be able to go wherever the, whatever the hell they want. Um, uh, you know, I would maybe put an addendum in if you're going to, let's say, you know, Afghanistan and you're walking around and you get uh, captured by terrorists, mm. uh, it's probably not the United States' responsibility yeah. to go rescue you if you, yeah. if you if they put up a warning for, to yeah. please don't go there. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I agree. I mean, like, you should be able to do, uh, you should be able to go where you want. I mean, I don't know that I fully agree with you, Andrew, on that it hasn't worked. Because um, I, I, I mean, I think the goal was to get Castro out, and that has not worked. Though, I will say, I mean, they have not flourished. They are completely isolated from the world outside of places like Venezuela and Iran, in North Korea. They have very few friends. I don't think that's true, because they like the, the, bo- the boycott is not going on with Europe and Britain. I mean, like we're, they're not buddies, but they can still trade with each other. They can still travel. They're still uh, open to those. No, no, it's true, but I'm, I'm not saying completely isolated from travel. I'm just saying, like, they're, they're uh, pariahs in the world, right? I mean, like, you see when, when Maduro, uh, when they talk about what countries are, are recognizing his potential replacement, it's, you know, it's I mean, the, the, the people who aren't re- recognizing his replacement are countries like, you know, Cuba and Iran and, and you know, North Korea and uh, people that are not involved in the national um, or in the global sort of community, if you will. Um, and I will say, too, like there's part of me that says if, you know, you're right, Europe and, and, and Central America, everyone's been everyone else has been able to go to Cuba. Uh, and that hasn't, you know, that hasn't changed the situation. I think it's very complicated. Um, I my sense is. The idea that we would ban people traveling to a country is just a terrible idea on a million different levels. I don't know that that means, though, that it would necessarily uh, lead to hit their demise. I mean, sometimes, you know, countries maintain, but we, we can go to Russia, right? And, you know, Russia still has a terrible regime. And um, I, I don't know that it would necessarily lead to it. But again, like, our job isn't necessarily to control their government. Our job is to do what's right for Americans. And mm. what's right for Americans is, you know, freedom, right? Yeah. You should be able to go wherever you want. And, uh, you know, stopping that and stopping, like, trade and import barriers and all of those things, 
Just, it's just not a good idea. It very, very rarely leads to good things. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yesterday's poll, did you see your taxes decrease this year thanks to the Trump tax cuts? 80% of you said yes, and 20% of you said no. But I'm wondering if you considered the fact that your return may have been less because they were taking less out of your I paycheck. heard someone in this building today talking about did this. Did you? Saying, I'm getting a lot less back than I got last year. I think did, it's you, just, like, did you say, you know, do you watch our shows at all? <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, um, but I mean, I think it's very, very common. I mean, I mean, again, like we talk about these polls a lot. They're internet polls. Yes. They're on the Blazes Twitter feed. They're very scientific what you're saying. Well, yeah, they're very scientific. We, we, don't, we don't partner with Monmouth University? No, we do not. Uh, no, Quinnipiac. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you look at this, it's like 80-20 is a terrible result for the thing that, that this audience should like. Mm-hmm. Right? 80-20 is not a good result from, uh, from a, hey, did Trump cut your taxes? Yeah. Like, that's not a good result. I think people are really struggling with this. I mean, you know, I had a, you know, I had a, a, a tax bill um, this mm-hmm. year, um, and it sucks. Even though I know mentally, we think about this stuff all the time, I know it was good because in reality, I did not pay it all throughout the year. I did not let the government borrow money for me interest-free for a year. I know it's good. It still sucked when the money came out of my account. It still it's sucked. It's a hard check to write. I think the I think the the vast majority of people don't know realize it or really notice it even if even if the taxes are raised a little bit. Like if you're, if they raise your taxes and your taxes go up a hundred, two hundred bucks, you know, a paycheck. I mean, I think people that are living paycheck to paycheck will definitely uh, mm-hmm. notice that. But I think the vast majority of middle class people that are you know responding to polls like that never realize it. Why? Because it's by design. They, they never realize it because it's the system is built on, so you don't realize it. Yeah. Um, the NHS over in the UK, like it, it's built the same exact way. You, know, you don't even realize how much money you're losing by paying for the NHS, but, the, pay, but the, the, the fee comes out every month. It's so ridiculous. It's like they say, no more doctor's bills. It's all completely free. <laughs> you pay for it every month. And I looked at a tax return from a buddy of mine that's, that's from the UK, and he showed it to me. It's right there. It's like, ta- you know, something, they don't call it a tax. They say something fee for NHS. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't, they're very, very careful not calling it a tax. But you see it. It's like $600 a freaking paycheck. You pay for that. It's basically the same thing, pretty much what you'd pay, realize, buying your own. Or an expensive health insurance, potentially. I've said this before. What I would do, and it would be a very trolly thing to do, which is why I think Trump would be perfect for it, (laughs) but he could just come out and say, I am, you know, uh, um, executive order so that the IRS (laughs) changes the way that they tax people. It's every, you're going to pay biweekly. So every two weeks, every paycheck that you get, you have to cut a so physical a check. check. You have to write a check. Write yeah. a physical. I'm not even taking electronic. I think, I think uh, they have a very big revolt. Like that's actually a yeah. really interesting idea. If people, if people just had to write the check, that was it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Every two weeks, we were like two hundred something dollars. Every you're like, dude, are you kidding me? And if yep. then they said that we're going to raise your taxes by ten percent, oh, there would be riots. Yeah, I know. Uh, all right, today's poll. The Mueller report is set to be released tomorrow. Will the Democrats accept the results or continue their collusion campaign? Let us know at the Blaze's Twitter that is at the Blaze. Interesting, because it's basically this this question is worded that there's going to be nothing, nothing. It's going to be a nothing burger. What do you guys think? Real quick, nothing burger or not? I think there's going to be embarrassing things for the administration in there, and that that's what people will, will focus on. Jason, nothing illegal, though. Real quick, nothing I know illegal, that's nothing, nothing salacious, but I do think that there'll be questions over obstruction. Okay, Andrew. I don't think it'll be a big deal. Okay, all right. Let us know what you think at the Blaze's Twitter. We'll see you guys tomorrow. What do you think? Oh, my opinion? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think there's going to be anything. I do think there's going to be, like, redactions that are going to make them go. 
Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.